You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Randy. And this is Jasper. We watched two movies. And they're running a recall on them. <laughs> Do you recall what we... All I know is I was running... And then recalled it. <laughs> that was bad. It's okay. Bad. That was horrible. <laughs> so for this episode, we watched another listener suggestion. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, yeah. This was actually suggested by Trinity, who is one of our patrons. Trinity is a patron on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash podcast at the $5 a month level, which is awesome. But that means he's a puppet master. He gets to pull the strings. Every month he gets to suggest um, a topic for us to talk about on the show. And he had mentioned these movies. He said, you know, I'm just throwing this out there, but, you know, blah, this and this would be a good combination. And I was like, well, you're our, you're our puppet master, so uh, we'll make it so. Took us about a month to get to it because of our schedule on. Strings are attached. Yes. For this episode. But, hey, if you want to pull our strings, listener, go to patreon.com slash podcast, and you'll get... You'll get access to bonus episodes, like hour-long bonus episodes. You probably, you missed out on the Sin of Apic. If For just a dollar a month, you can get our pre-shows. And the last pre-show for GCU was crazy. It was an hour, almost an hour-long episode with me, you, and Jesse. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Start with some political rants. <laughs> Talk about some vaping. That was, I, I love that episode. Yeah, it was fun. Because in the future... We're going to have to do it again. Uh, yeah, exactly. We crossed the Grolic streams. That sounds... I'm going to have to get Melanie on one of these GCU episodes sometime. Be good. Having Jesse on here was fun. It was fun recording it with him, but also we it should, was... We should have the whole family. It was... Yeah. Grolics. The whole Grolics, Grolics family. family. It was fun being able to like promote that episode with a guest, and it, the guest is Jesse, because normally he's just Jesse mm-hmm. on, on our show. He's just one of us, but it's fun to... like be able to treat him as like a special guest because he was a special guest in our hearts. <laughs> Are we still recording the podcast? What's happening? <laughs> so this episode, thanks Trinity for the recommendation. We watched Total Recall from 1990, the original. And the 1982 version of Blade Runner. Yeah. Blade Runner. Running on them blades. Is that how, that's the song? Was it 20... 20- Inch blades on the Impala. I think that's how that song goes. I'm not sure. We're not going there. We we've gone there. We've gone there. We're not coming back. All right. So what are we going to lead with? We're going to lead with the runner. All right, Jasper. We're running ahead of the recall. I don't know. So totally. Tell us about. Oh, by the way, we watched the final cut. There's many versions of this movie. We watched the final cut. Yeah. If I after you said that, I found there's like nine versions of yeah, this movie. There's a lot. So, plot of the 1982 Blade Runner is, in a cyberpunk vision of the future, man has developed a technology to create replicants. 
artificially created humanoids with short fixed lifespans, which are illegal on Earth but are used in the in the off-world colonies. In Los Angeles, 2019, Deckard is a Blade Runner, a cop who specializes in terminating replicants. Which let me point out, it's not terminating, it's putting them into retirement. Mm-hmm. He is forced to come out of retirement when four replicants escape from an off-world colony and come to Earth. He is directed by Ridley Scott, and the writers are Hampton Fancher, David Webb Peoples, and Philip K. Dick. Yeah, it's based on a, the Philip K. Dick story, Do do Robots Dream of Electric Sheep, I think is the yeah, name. I, I yeah, think, I remember seeing that in the starting credits. Or Do Androids Dream of mm-hmm. Electric Sheep, something like that. It stars my man, Harrison Ford. Oh, your man? My man. Okay, my cool. My dude. Cool. Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer returns. He was the villain, the main va- bad guy vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I can't recall if he's been in other movies we've covered. I think this is his second appearance on the GCU. Sean Young. M. Emmett Walsh. I keep saying, when I went to go to say Emmett, I said Mehmet. Mehmet Walsh. M. Emmett Walsh. Walsh. And Edward James almost. Um, also has James Hong in it, which I've seen him in very... A lot of usually crime shows. Who's he? He's Hiroshima. Which guy was he? He was Hannibal Chu. Hannibal Chu. I think he was. He played Lopez. Oh, okay, okay. God, he didn't have a very big role in David this. David Lopez. I did not even notice him. Yeah, he's in a bunch of crime shows too. You said you wanted to take the lead on this on this movie. Have you have you ever seen it? I've seen. I think the first part of this movie is all I've ever seen in the movie. Okay. Well, hit, hit us with it. I'm actually surprised, too, because it's a Harrison Ford movie. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is after after Star Wars. Yeah, it was. Of course. Like I said, I, I've told you previously that the story was kind of... I didn't follow very well. Also, now I think about it, I was really tired last night when I watched it. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that got me was the set pieces. I love almost everything art-wise in this movie. Oh, yeah. Even down to, like, what's his name? Decker? Mm-hmm. Like the whole way that Harrison Ford looks in that trench coat and everything, I was like, "This is like legit." We had a little bit of backflipping again. <laughs> we did, we did. <laughs> but the whole crashing through the glass part was just—I was like, "Is this going to end?" Or <laughs> oh, the one lady in the like transparent coat. Yeah, yeah. And then like the inside of the buildings was kind of almost like I want to say it was a, like old colonial looking. Maybe I don't know if that's what you call it, but just the whole set. Looked really good. They won a, I think, an, I want to say not an Emmy. Oscar? I thought it's an Emmy too, but yeah, an Oscar for the art direction. The visual style of this movie is kind of like the big thing. The movie had a big impact. It's iconic, that look. I'm not sure if it originated here, but it just makes me think of tons of anime. It makes me think of a ton of different movies have taken that kind of style for the future, where it's dark, crazy cityscape, neon but it's a futuristic film noir look the look of deckard is the trench coat he's like the traditional film noir detective set in this that's what i was gonna say it seemed with the the trench coat and like kind of the way he carried himself he was more a detective than Mm -hmm. than like a you know killing cop well in the one lady um is her name rachel what's her name i think rachel like her hairstyle at the very beginning is very i guess what would be 40s like mm-hmm. a 1940s type. She's got a very 1940s style She's hair. She's more like the, either the damsel in distress type, like coming in the detective place to get him or the assistant. She's not necessarily the, the femme fatale. The look of everybody else though, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know. It's like from 40s assistant to the one girl that 
sprays her eyes with the black stuff. Uh huh. Daryl like, Hannah. It's like it's like assistant David Bowie. Like just now, yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> it is. It's like this is what eighty two. You said so. This is like yeah. It's very seventies, eighties. Kind of punk, kind of glam, kind of I don't know what it is. Like it was in the, in at one point I'm like, did David Bowie like was he a consultant or something? Like it's just that that time period. That's the future. It's I like, I kind of the ground controlled and <laughs> so I yeah I agree. Uh, the sets are amazing. The art the art direction on this the art is fantastic. Uh, when he first comes across Rachel in that he gives her the test, but he walks into that building of i can't remember his name but the one guy who kind of makes the robots or designs them or yeah doctor something I'm, yeah he, and he's in that that room with the the crazy view and i'm like that view is a 70s album cover it's so bizarre with the like diagonal building that just just enough to like cover up the sun so you've got like this it's it's pretty insane and it looks amazing and i know the final cut i don't know exactly what they did but i know they there's things they touched up but still, like, it's how it looks. They might have cleaned some stuff up. I could maybe some of the flying car stuff too, but I mean, that's how the movie looks. And it, it's, it's kind of a breakthrough for visual effects. Yeah. Cause I mean, it looks, it actually looks more 90s than it does 80s. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the set pieces and even like the elevator too was kind of cool. Like when she's hiding in the elevator mm-hmm. with him, I bet you it was just like the door and then a light they passed by that thing. But oh, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the backflip already. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention, I do want to talk about the back foot for a moment. This is later. We're just, we're not, we're, you know how we do listener. We're just going to generally talk about the movie. We're not going to like go through it beat by beat and spoilers. Of course, we never say spoilers, spoilers for everything Spoiler all the time. Alert. <laughs> but Daryl Hannah's character, she's one of the androids. She eventually gets it. But I, you, you had sent me a message. I didn't watch it. I watched half of it last night and then half of it today. Um, just cause that's when I had time to watch it. Uh, but you watched it last night and sent me a message about, oh, here we go with the backflips again. And I was like, okay, he must be watching Blade Runner, but I can't remember the backflips. Well, then towards the end, Daryl Hannah started doing backflips. And I was like, oh, here we go. But the first backflip is super effective. It actually worked as an attack. She like came at him doing backflips, flipped around and like forked his neck with that her was, legs. That was so weird. <laughs> it was a weird scene, but it was effective. And then... Then we get the unnecessary backflips. She actually turns from, like, she could have killed him right there. She actually, like, lets him go, turn from him, runs away, turns around, and starts backflipping at him. So she, like, actually, like, ran away from him so that she could backflip back to to him. And while she's backflipping, this whole unnecessary thing, he just shoots her. And it's like, yeah, what did you expect? I didn't think that part was going to get a, as loud as it did because I was watching this mostly middle of the night and and my roommate had gone to sleep, and she's just on the floor. Like, bah, bah, bah. Dude, that's weird. It's a little bothersome, like her freaking out. It's pretty strange. When I was finally, I was like, finally, when someone's doing a backflip, someone just attacks. Yeah. Just like, fall, fall, bam. <laughs> like, this is exactly, this is the thing we've been warning all these stupid characters that do unnecessary backflips about. The immediate thought I had is, you deserve that. <laughs> yeah, I know. When, when it went down that way, I was just like, yes, yes. It's been, I, okay, so I had seen this before. I've seen this a couple times and a couple different versions. It's been a couple years since I've watched it. The last version I watched was this final cut. I've also seen, I don't know, some other version of the director's cut. And when I was much younger, I think I've seen like the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut has like Harrison Ford voiceover narration because mm-hmm. the studio, I guess it's something the studio wanted. 
And so they tried to play it like really lean into the, the uh, film noir d- detective story with the narration. But a lot of the cuts that the director has control over, that's not there. Anyway, my point is, yeah, I've always really liked this movie and I enjoyed it, this watch again, but there's, there's problems. For example, the look of it, like I said, like we said, is amazing. It looks great, except some of it I hate, like some of the characters, Daryl, Daryl Hannah, like the way she looks. And I know it's better towards the end when she does have the weird black line sprayed across her eyes, but I hate her hair and I hate the way she looks. I hate her character, the look of her character. It's like, and too, when she, like when she scissors his head, she like is almost going super sane because her, she looks spikes up. It does. It does. It changes. Like it cuts to her like four times and her hair's different she every looks time. Crazy there. It is scary. It is scary. Like the face. I was like, Oh my God. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I didn't like that. Or even though I kind of liked him and it was weird that they kept pointing out that he kept running into the door. The, the people he made. The little friends. toys? Yeah. Creepy. I was like, for one, creepy as hell. Mm. Two, what do they have to do with this movie at all? Like, <laughs> It's just a weirdness. It's just but a weirdness. They, like, the two times they show him like walking and he hits the door and then uh-huh. he keeps going. It's like he's programmed to do it, I think. Oh, my God. What else? Oh, and then the music is also very iconic by Tangerine Dream. I mean, it's, it's like right up my alley. And some of it I really like. I really like certain tones that tangerine dream certain synth sounds they use i love the music that plays over the end credits but some of the music i also kind of really can't stand like tangerine dream tends to use some they just use some sounds i wouldn't i don't care for some they'll lean into some of the cheesier sounding in my opinion cheesier sounding synth stuff and some of the music here is it's it's all pretty decent but some of it's really weird for the most part i think it works it's just it's not my favorite thing I do like that a lot of the music makes everything feel alien and weird. Talking about alien, I was kind of actually was expecting other species to be around, but it's weird how they kind of just kept it human. And Either I never caught, which is me being an idiot, or I just forgot is, so when Daryl Hannah's character finds the guy that makes the toys in their pursuit to try to find the, their maker, basically, to extend their life because they only have like four year lifespans, these androids. So she finds the guy and he takes her like she goes with him to his where he lives and he lives basically in this huge building that's like completely abandoned. He points out like there's there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. Not not a lot of people here. And I was like, they're huge sprawling cityscapes, like massive cities with incredibly tall buildings. Why is why does it feel like, you know, and most of the time the streets seem crowded. So I was like in the most versions of the future, like Earth's overpopulated and, and the design of the world leads me to think that. But at the same time, like he says, like there's not that many people around. Yeah. And there's not a housing shortage is what he says. Yeah. And I'm like, that's weird. And then she talks to him because he's got, he's got the thing where he ages fast. Yeah. And that's where they get a little exposition about, it sounds like most people have left earth to live off world. Mm -hmm. And I never, I don't think I ever caught that before. So that's interesting that it's like this huge, massive, like city, but apparently it's like it's earth dying out or something. A lot of people, most, it seems like the majority of people, I guess, unless they're Asian <laughs> have left. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a lot of what, like, I, I also find it interesting. The, the Asian influence on what is, looks like in a, was, is probably supposed to be an American city. It was like an Asian influence, but it looked like New York, like, or what New York would turn into. And unless I'm, you know, misreading it, I think that just plays on the idea of like, 
in the future, the world cultures will just, I mean, it's happening already. The world's getting smaller. People are getting afraid of it, but the cultures will just mingle everywhere. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Asian country populations are huge. So it makes sense that if there's going to be another culture that meshes that heavily with ours, it'd probably be Asian cultures. 1982, this, you know, pretty early movie. Well, not super early, but it's one of the first movies I can think of that really played on that. And I've since seen it in lots of other stuff, but. Okay. And my thing too, I wanted to point out about this movie. And one of my talking points was with movies like this, I always love how they envision the time we're supposed to be in now. This is next year. Yeah, this is legitimately next year. It's like September of 2019 or something. Yeah, and when they kept pointing that out, I'm like, holy crap. Like, they envisioned we'd be at this by 2019, and, like, 2019 is, like, months away. Yeah. And, like, it's just weird to see, like, was Back to the Future showed up in 2015? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Dude, I love it when we pass the futures of movies. Yeah. And this happens a lot. I mean, eventually we're going to do Escape from New York. We have to. I love that movie. So spoilers on that, yeah. but that was like supposed to be 1997 or 1998 or something. Yeah. I was like, man, we missed a great opportunity. Like too bad we did not start this podcast like two years ago. Cause that one that attacks him, he said he was born in 2017. Uh-huh. I was like, man, that'd been awesome to like be on Facebook. Like happy birthday to this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. A side note. And this might be more important once we get to cinematic universe time. I have not seen the sequel. Mm-hmm. which is Blade Runner 2049. I'm assuming it doesn't take place in 2020. No. <laughs> <laughs> Had there really been that many Blade Runners? But yeah, I haven't seen the sequel. So Our boy's in it. My boy. Your boy. Mm-hmm. Ford's in it. We will do that on this show as well. And I'm kind of thinking, I'm going to call it now, but I don't know when. I don't want to do it right away. I'm kind of thinking we should do Blade Runner 2049 and the remake of Total Recall. Mm-hmm. With, uh, what's his name? I almost accidentally rented that one. I was like, oh, is it Gerard Butler? Is it? Oh, he's if so, he's okay. I thought I had Colin. Yeah, Colin Farrell. Yeah, I can't stand that guy. Yeah, I think he's in there. I still want to see the new version of RoboCop. I'm not interested in either. We'll do, we will though, for the show, because that is, dude, some of these movies that have been remade, I do want to hit the remakes. I kind of am a little excited to use those in as, as an excuse to do like kind of a tie, a throwback episode or something. But yeah, it was, it's just, like I said, that really caught me. Like, I was like, this is like, this is supposed to be 2019. And they think that we have flying cars and. Oh, so let's talk about tech technology for just a moment, because I know I had, I actually, I should look at my notes. One thing that really got me and it's the future. I get it. Well, it's supposed to be the future and they have future technology, but it's an old movie. So they still have tube TVs, but enhance he's, he's examining this photo on his monitor that he can give voice commands and and also computers are very annoying sounding in 2019 yeah the sounds and the computerized voices they use like in that respect we're well ahead of them but so he start he's examining this thing and he's like you know enhance and i the thing that pops in my head is the ridiculous csi type shows where they somehow even though those shows take place in modern day they can enhance photographs and like somehow it regains the definition that's not actually there in the photo. It's ridiculous. Like a lot of times when you see them movies where they're like enhance, all right, enhance it, clear it up. You can't do that. If the information is not there, it's not going to be there. This takes that to a whole new level because he's like enhance. All right, move over whatever 30 to the right. Okay. Enhance in this 2d photograph. He's looking around corners 
he enhances and moves the camera or whatever and it like reveals somebody behind a corner and i'm like what it's like drone footage it's 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 not a it's a 2d photograph it's not a 3d model like it you not it's not a 3d capture of a scene like you you can't look around walls in a 2d photograph right like my mind was blown but i was like okay i I saw every time you said it i kept just thinking the super troopers enhance enhance (laughs) i don't remember i hate super troopers yeah he's looking at a photo and he's like enhance he's like really he's yeah he's throwing it at it he's he's yeah they're they're playing on that thing but that not that's blade runner specifically but just that trope yeah and blade runner to the next level because yeah at first i was like oh he's gonna use the mirror's reflection right i thought yeah yeah but then it like turns yeah no no then he goes around the mirror around the wall and there's a lady but no ain't buying it ain't buying it i ain't buying it here's my notes some of these i'll run through the ones we've already covered oh snap next year Rutger Hauer returns. Uh, Photo enhance around corners. I really was caught up on that. Uh, First backflip effective. Second totally unnecessary backflip shows why you don't do that. Dead. It has the same kind of ugly cars as Total Recall. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about Rachel and the uh, romance, quote unquote romance. First off, that actress plays this like a robot, but I think too much. Because she's supposed to be the robot where, like, he had to ask her over 100 questions before he figured it out. Like, she's supposed to be the most, what, lifelike robot? But she is the most robotic thing in this movie. And she looks dead inside. She doesn't emote anything ever. And their, their romance, like, there's nothing between them. Except for this one scene where the only reason you know it's not rape is because they're playing sexy music. But it's... Real forceful romance. Well, it's supposed to be the old movie thing of like, she tries to leave and he's like, no. And is like all forceful and then they start macking, which doesn't play well anymore anyway. But this one, like, she doesn't really seem into it until seems like 45 seconds into this little until sequence. Until Marvin Gaye starts playing. But I don't know. Their relationship doesn't work for me. It's a very cold movie, which is fine, like emotionally. But I feel like it could be. Like, I think it could be a way better movie if it actually sem- seemed like there was some connection between them, given uh, how the movie ends. Like, I like the idea of it. It's just the execution. Like, there's just nothing to that lady and, like, nothing to lead me to believe that Dickard loves her at the end. My biggest criticism of the movie, other than, you know, that is I like it. I think it's fine. I actually, I thought you were going to have a hard time. This is probably why you had trouble following it. It's kind of slow. It looks great, so there's always cool stuff to look at. It, but it's so dark and dingy, but like well designed. But it, man, it's slow. There's a lot of Deckard watching TV screens and walking through cities and empty buildings and stuff. Because even like the final fight was real slow. It was. It was real slow, and it doesn't need to be like super action paced. But there's not like a real sense of urgency to it. Even as and this this is going to become a checklist, I think on the eventually I'll add that to the posts that our checklist of reoccurring things hanging from high things during Mm -hmm. the climax. The climax of the movie is somebody's going to fall off of a building or something. But even during that, like it just leisurely takes its time about everything. I liked Rucker Hauer in this though. I kind of think this might be, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't think of any other dramatic things, but at times I think this is some of his best acting, but yeah, it's just whatever. It's kind of slow. Well, like I said, I, I love wa- like watching it, like mm-hmm. looking at things, and yeah, I'm more forgiving of things that are 
style over substance so long as it's got like a good tone to it. Um, so I like it. Uh, I like some of the ideas in it, but you know, I could, I can see there the unicorn. Yeah, I don't know. So it really bugged me. And then later the last little, uh, origami creature that Edward James almost his character leaves outside of Deckard's door, which I really like that touch is a unicorn. So it makes sense. It, there's a tie in, but the unicorn footage is literally from another movie that it was Ridley Scott, right? That Ridley Scott filmed called legend that was not originally in this movie until like his, the final cut. He's just like, I got this unicorn from this other movie. I'm going to put it in blade runner. It's right. so out of place and weird. But the thing that really bugs me about it is it doesn't even make sense because it's not like he's dreaming. His eyes are open when it cuts to the unicorn. I mean, I guess he's daydreaming, but I don't know. It's, it kind of bugs me. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it feels out of place. Yeah. I'm going past that part. I'm like, the hit, the, what's going on? Like, mm -hmm. Do you think Deckard is an Android? I kind of do. Do you? I, I kind of do. This is a big thing of contention with fans of Blade Runner because I think the general consensus is he's not, or it was never intended that he was. But there's big fan theories that, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he is because this and this and this. The director has gone on to say later that he is an android. But a lot of people are like, including the screenwriters were like, he's, we never intended him for that like interpretation. So, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, as with a lot of art intended intention versus interpretation doesn't really matter. It's how people perceive a thing. I don't know. I like the idea of it, but watching it this time, I don't know. I don't think I, I kind of don't think he is. The movie doesn't hint at it enough for me to really buy it. Yeah. So the novel hints at the, at the, is Deckard a replicant problem by having Deckard casually mention that one of the indicators of being an android is lack of sympathy for other androids. Uh, his interlocator locator then points out that given his job, this means that Deckard could be one too. In the movie, they don't play it that way. He seems really bothered to kill these replicants. Like it kind of seems like that's why he doesn't want to undo it. It doesn't really get into why he quit, but he seems really upset when he shoots that first one. This is not really Scott's first cut ran four hours for this movie. Yeah. Most of the crew, including the writers and director, admitted that while it looked beautiful, it was mostly incomprehensible, <laughs> necessitating additional editing and an explanatory voiceover. See, that's interesting because, yeah, this version we watched, it's two hours long, no voiceover, and I know you had trouble following it, but I, I, I actually didn't have any trouble following it. Of course, I've seen it before, but still. Ridley Scott regards Blade Runner as probably his most personal and complete film. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was really Scott and Jordan Cronenwith achieved the famous shining eyes effect mm -hmm. by using a technique invited by Fritz Lang known as the Schufaton process, where light is bounced into the actor's eyes off a piece of half mirrored glass mounted at a 45 degree angle to the camera. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was wondering about that. Is that in reference to like the robot's weird eyes sometimes? I think so. Yeah. Where it's like cat eyes almost. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that was pioneered by Fritz Lang. He's like a 1920s German filmmaker, like a pioneer. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a cool effect too. Oh yeah. At first I thought it was just kind of like a CG thing, but. Rating. What'd you think? Okay. My rating would be at first a four. Okay. Just almost. And I almost say that, I almost say four just on art direction alone. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go 3.5 because I take a half, half a point away for the backflips. 
That just puts you back down there. But it righted it. It it did the backflips and then showed you why you don't do that. True. It is dumb, though. It it was on this. 3.5. I'm feeling a little bit. I'm going to go four. I'm going to go four. Four? Yeah, I'm going to go four because it is, it's, it's, it's an iconic movie. It was groundbreaking visually. Looks great. Even though some of the Tangerine Dream sound, I'm not keen on. Some of it is fantastic. It does set a cool tone, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go higher than four right now because, because it does lack an emotional core to it that feels like it should be there, but it's just not. Like Deckard feels like maybe he's depressed, but I don't know. There's just not, it's just not, it's missing something still. The 1982 version. Theatrical cut? Yeah. Has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. No. Audience score was 91%. Oh, dude, Blade Runner is a well-respected movie. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I like it. I think, I don't know what the what's changed, if it's just me or, I don't know, maybe I was looking at it more critical because I was watching it for the podcast. Yeah. But... I think previously I might have given it a 4.5 or something kind of high. I think I'm going to rewatch it again now that I'm going to be a little bit more awake. And then just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, okay. And Yeah, and that's another thing. It is a little slow. So that's, I don't know. It's a movie I find myself rewatching every four, five years, five years or so. Just like I said, it. I liked it. It was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. By the way, some research here. Blade Runner was supposed to take place in 2019 Los Angeles. So... From the futuristic streets of next year Los Angeles to the blue skies of Mars. Our next movie is Total Recall. Recall, recall, recall. I do recall that I will totally watch this movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That was bad. Uh-huh. That was bad. Total Recall, the original from 1990. Construction worker Douglas Quaid discovers a memory chip. What? Discovers a memory chip in his brain during a virtual reality trip. There's a tracking bug in his brain, but I didn't get that there was a memory chip. Yeah. Anyway, he also finds that his past has been invented to conceal a plot of planetary domination. Soon, he's off to Mars to find out who he is and who planted the chip. mm. Oh my God. What? No wonder Trinity... I'm such an idiot for just now connecting this. No wonder Trinity recommended these movies. It's also based on a story by Philip K. Dick. Same as Blade Runner. Oh. I'm an idiot for not connecting that fact. Trust in Trinity. <laughs> Trinity shall set you free. Directed by Paul Verhoeven. His second second Paul Verhoeven movie we've covered. I'm sure we'll, there will be another one in the future. But the other one, of course, that we've done is Robocop. Uh, he made Starship, or did Starship Troopers and too. He made which... Starship Troopers as well. That'll get in there sometime. That. And I've never watched the entirety of Showgirls. Neither have I. That one might have to go in there sometime. Showgirls. Jazz hands. It's nice. I like the tone, even. Screenplay by Gary uh, Gary Goldman, Ronald Shusette, and Dan O'Bannon. Uh, author Philip K. Dick, based on a story by. Starring Arnold. That's all you need to know. Arnold as Arnold. <laughs> Quaid slash Hauser. Sharon Stone. Rachel Takotney. Rodney Cox. It was also in Total uh, Robocop. Total Robocop. Total Robocop. <laughs> oh, I know my episode 10. No. <laughs> Michael Ironside. Really, like a oh, ton of people, a ton of people that Paul Verhoeven worked with um, in several movies. Total Recall. I have seen this movie lots. I've seen it at least five times. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen this movie a ton. This came out in 1990. Yeah, this is a movie I watched. I watched a bunch all through the 90s, several times since then. Yeah, I like it. I think the first time I saw it was eight, eight, maybe nine. Yeah. Oddly enough, for some of the stuff that's in here, I think that's about the... No, that is right the about the perfect age for me, too. I watched it shortly after it came out in 1990, so I've probably seen it maybe 91 when I was like nine. Those three boobs. <laughs> no, I just... as Come on. As a kid, that always stuck with you, right? Yeah. That's what kids would always... Like, you'd be like Total Recall would be like, oh, the chick with the three boobs. Yeah. I remember that dumb. being pointed out quite a few times. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. Uh, I think that was was that what spawned like all the cartoon shows doing the three boobs thing. I don't know because like Futurama does it. I think Simpsons did it for. I mean, they're same almost the same people. So mm-hmm. maybe I think even Family Guy referenced it. Probably. Yeah, I mean, Total Recall. It's I've never okay again like Blade Runner. I hadn't seen the sequel. I've never seen the remake. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. A, a couple things that struck me with this is Arnold is so hammy like not necessarily not in a bad way but he's like he plays it almost goofy like he's he he smiles like towards the beginning before it's really going down he smiles and it's like such as big hammy arnold schwarzenegger smile it's so funny kind of go back to blade runner the whole romance scene where it's kind of forced in the in the, right in the beginning Ooh. right in the beginning which with with arnold and um, his his first wife wait which one's his first wife the the non Sharon Stone the one that tries to kill him. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's literally forced. It's literally yeah. <laughs> but then it was like it's a lie. Music plays and that's oh, it's fine. Here's what I found that's really weird about that. Why would they assign that job to the one guy's wife? Like, why would they have Michael Ironside or whatever? He's not the main bad guy, but he's like the main bad guy's right hand man, mm-hmm. who also has his own right hand man. But it's his wife. Sharon Stone's character is his wife which is why he gets so mad when she dies later. Why would you have your wife do this? Right. So, I don't know. I thought that was weird. Tonally, this movie's so strange. It's a Paul Verhoeven movie, but it's it's like a little goofy in a way, but also ultra-violent. I don't know. It's just hard to pinpoint exactly the tone of it. Now, kind of comparing it to Blade Runner, like in art direction, mm-hmm. I thought this one looked cheesier. It does. It does definitely. I think it's it's got a kind of interestingly unique look to itself. Like before he even leaves Earth, I noticed a lot of the buildings, the walls are bare concrete. Like everywhere they go, that's like the look. It's just like bare, like that smooth concrete. Mm-hmm. Everything looks that way. And it's such a strange aesthetic, but it's definitely intentional. And I thought that kind of made it look interesting. And then you get to Mars and you get that weird, the whole, the Mars like ghetto area is its own thing. It looks like people took cheap old tin mobile homes converted into diners and then chopped it up and used pieces of it to build this Mars colony. Like I'm just trying to find words that conjure the look. Right. I can't find it, but there's, I mean, again, with uh, makes sense as Philip K. Dick, but there's a lot of like great ideas in this. Whereas Blade Runner didn't really, the Rachel character says to Deckard something about like, you know, how do you know you're not an Android, but it, and even though Ridley Scott, as since like really played up that aspect, it doesn't play on that very hard. Like it's not like a head trip movie. This, I mean, is literally a head trip movie because you go on trips in your brain, get it? Anyway, but this is all about what's real. Who are you? Is any of this real? In case you don't know, we're not gonna go through the whole thing, but Arnold is like a construction worker. 
and he's got this obsession with Mars. He lives on Earth, but you can go on trips to Mars. I don't know why. It really does look like a crab hole. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just doesn't look great. So then he's like, well, he sees this commercial for Recall. Was it just Recall was the name of it? Yeah. And it's R-E-K-A. Oh, was it? Yeah. Recall. Where basically they, impl- it's such a bizarre concept because it's not like you would experience it. They implant a memory of a trip. So basically you go, they put a memory of like a week long vacation in your head and you pay for it. And then you've got this memory of a trip. But that's so strange because it's not necessarily like actually going through and doing the trip. It's just like remembering it. But in this case, if the movie is not real, like what happens, then it is like going through and doing it. But so he goes to do this like trip. He even by like is talked into the getting the secret agent package. You know, why go as you when you can go as someone else? But then supposedly like when it's happening, it goes wrong and he breaks out and they're freaking out like it's a schizoid embolism. Like Mm -hmm. a a panic delusion based on like the memories we tried to put in there. And they're like, we didn't put it in there yet. He's actually been there. Yeah, which that, which I'd like to point out that guy comes in like any, any manager, but two I've had where he calls a lady a dumb and doesn't even know what's going on. Oh, I know. Yeah. He's comes in very aggressive. That's kind of like a nineties movie thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Or maybe eighties thing where it's just like characters come at each other, like just so like, jarring yeah i was like why would you even have to talk to her like that before yeah when she's like no we haven't even put it in yet and he's like oh okay but he wigs out and basically breaks loose and then the movie happens we he ends up killing some dudes his his friend that uh he worked with at work turns out to be a spy watching him and his wife turns out to be a spy but like i said when they put him in the chair and the one text like going to put his memories in he's like Oh, Blue Sky on Mars, that's a new one. Spoilers, that's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So just like throwing that out there is like calls into question any of it. They even call it out directly at the end. Like they have a conversation because he ends up there with his sleazy yet demure chick that he's been dreaming about. And they're even like, well, what if this is a dream? But I, I like it. I like that idea. Here's the problem. And maybe it's just the movie being a movie. And it was supposed to be a dream, or maybe it's supposed to be both, or just left open to interpretation, which is how it seems. And I know dreams can do weird stuff like this, but it follows other characters when, when um, I almost called him Deckard, Quaid isn't around. And in my head, that makes it not a dream, because why would he be dreaming of these characters? Kind of meant to put this in here before we went off on our... I'm sorry weird, about that tangent. Weird rant, but uh, just that first scene where he busts a glass on his spacesuit, that, that was just weird. You know, The eyes, dude... The eyes, and you can kind of, the, they do, the tongue does it a little bit, but the eyes bulging, that's always an image that stuck with me. Do they just always like inflate a head or something? I think like, so. Sh- this movie does look, it's so weird. It's, I think part of it is, it's the production, but also like the film stock of the time. Uh, that's kind of early 90s look. It looks weird and cheap. Uh, part of it's the color. It's not cheap. Like this was another kind of, like this had groundbreaking effects in it. This has a lot of rubber heads in it though. How many rubber heads of Arnold? do you think have been made over the years? Because I know what the worst one was. Terminator. Is that the worst? Yeah, that was pretty rough, but there's a rubber head Arnold in at least three or four scenes in here. And it doesn't look great. One groundbreaking scene. I remember hearing about a lot where he's got the woman disguise. Mm -hmm. Two weeks, two weeks. First off, why is he like, why is his body freaking out? Like, it's so weird to me, this whole thing, this concept, but also, I call total crap on that outfit. However, this machine's supposed to work, 
It's really bizarre, but when he finally takes this mask off, this woman mask, he like turns the ear, and then the ear attached to this long rod comes out from the side of his head. Dude, it looks, it's clearly, now this is where the effect is impressive because it's really like, whoa, how did they do that? But it doesn't make sense because the rod is like two and a half to three feet long and it comes out straight from the side of his head. Not only where is his head in all that, where's the rod go to? Why does it not come out like, the other you, side? Was there some like TARDIS technology in there? What's going on? And then it like pulls apart and raises up. Like, I mean, it looks cool, but where is his face in all this? Yeah, because my thing would be like, you would think it could be collapsible, like like a toy lightsaber. Mm-hmm. But then there still had to be space like for it to collapse. Yeah. But yeah, that's... Well, and there's depth though. There's depth. You can see like when it pulls aside, you can see like yeah, down in that hole. He's supposed to be under there somewhere, like, but... Where? In a bag of holding? In a, in a portal? <laughs> no, like... He puts his head down and then that head comes up. And then when that's done, he just lifts his head up. Well, maybe, maybe, but it like pulls apart all weird. Like it looks super cool. It's another super Ar- rubber Arnold face underneath it, but it, weird. I don't understand that technology at all. I just feel like when he signs on for a movie, they're like, okay, we need to get a rubber molding of you real quick. It should just be a given. Yeah. Or he just appears on site with it. Here's my rubber head. I know you're going to need it. He's like, they all need it. Always. They're like, no, we- yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Give me that. <laughs> just take it from Mm-hmm. It's an interesting movie because it feels like a smart movie, but at the same time feels like a real dumb movie mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's got, you know, just the, the action, stupid one-liners. I always put it on the same, the same shelf with my enjoyment of, of different timelines, mm, okay. which Star Trek is so good at doing. <laughs> Cause then I like, I'll watch like a movie like this or like, you know, the different storylines or what's real or like our question Back when me and my dad used to talk is what, which enterprise is this? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that same thing. Like, because my problem is I get stuck on that and I'm just like, is this, is this the real, is this, is this Arnold's real life? Is this the fake one? And then I just mull that over the whole time I'm watching it, which is again, like I said, Star Trek, I'm like, which, inter- is this the, inter- did the actual enterprise make it back? Are they all dead? Like for the rest of the series, like I think the first one was Star Trek happened in season four and I thought about it until it was done. Is this the real? Is this the real crew? Like, but that's uh, how I felt with Recall. Is like, is this actually Quaid, or is this the agent? You get you get caught on it, and then I just it just encapsulates everything I think about as I watch it. One aspect to that to that I really liked is so if you're buying into this is actually happening, and if not, whatever the dreams by the dream the memories logic. When you find out, like, because basically they've given him a fake, totally fake memories. He was somebody else. They covered that up or swapped it out with fake memories like his wife. Like she said, she's only really known him for six months, even though he remembers years of their marriage. And what I like is when you finally find out who he was, he wasn't just some secret agent. He was one of the bad guys. He's one of the guys he's fighting against. And I thought that was such that's such a good little twist where it's like. Well, that doesn't matter. I'm still fighting against you because what you're doing is wrong. Right. Uh, Apparently, my old self was an also. Like it, the whole thing was his old self's idea of doing this to himself so that he could be like the ultimate mole in this underground resistance on, on Mars. There's definitely very on the nose social commentary in this movie, not unlike RoboCop. This time period, like this and RoboCop, like Paul Verhoeven movies of this time period, they both have similar but different looks and feels. Both the movies we're talking about today came out in 
really interesting time periods because this is 90. So this is like late eighties when you've got those like ridiculous action movies, but they're starting to mesh with like, like predator or um, RoboCop where they're meshing with sci-fi and horror into it pretty well. And then 1982 Blade Runner came out and we'll get to more, but we've like the thing came out in 1980. There was a ton of movies. It's weird to think too, though, that Arnold was like the eighties Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Or like, I guess I never the thought. Rock is more. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I guess so. I don't everything. know. I don't know what it is about The Rock. Uh, like I like him, but I kind of don't. I mainly because I think his movies, the movies he's in, suck. But Arnold seems bigger to me than that. Like a lot more of his movies did better. Yeah, the the, the tough thing. Oddly enough, I didn't. I don't really have a lot to say about Total Recall. You know, it's fun. It's fun. It was entertaining. It is also like two hours long. It was way more entertaining when I was a kid than when I watched it. Oh, really? Really? I think I was, if I would have reviewed it way back then, I'd probably said it's really good. But but then again, watching it so many times may affect my rating. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. I'd say it's a classic, though. It's one of those movies where I haven't watched the remake because I've not heard particularly good things. And I'm like, I don't... It's not going to be the same kind of movie, which is fine. It shouldn't be. But, like, why? Just watch Total Recall, man. <laughs> right. Why? This is good. There's no way some bland remake whatever this is not a review of a movie i haven't seen this is a review of total recall from 1990 so i'll stick to that but yeah okay well yeah let's let's do it let's do ratings this is going long what's your rating let's hear you first oh he is thinking about it (laughs) i know normally i rate these beforehand and i haven't rated either of these yet i mean i have i think i've rated them both at some point but i'm trying to go fresh fresh i'm not gonna look at my old rating i'm gonna go four stars again it's a classic. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's pretty fantastic. Other than it looking like it looks from its th- that time period, I think it's aged fairly well. Yeah. I don't think it's too bad. It's, it did not give me one okay, four stars because I'm going to take one star off because it did not give me enough to say on this episode. I don't really know. It's it, oddly enough, you know, whatever. It's total recall. It's good. And watch it. I'm going to go 3. Oh, ouch. <laughs> okay, why 3? Just because like I said, it wasn't as much like entertained with this one as I was Blade Runner, mm-hmm. like with the art and stuff. But I think the cheesy looking cheesy factor kind of like, oh, you know, kind of like just kind of threw that in there. Yeah. You know, and then making me think about the timelines for an hour and almost two hours. Oh, is that a negative? Yeah. <laughs> really? Because then I, I don't know what's going on in the movie because I'm thinking about it the whole time. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Three. Okay. So, Jasper, Mm -hmm. the movie studios are looking for some somewhat brainy, but still potentially big blockbuster action movies, so they picked up a couple of Philip K. Dick properties. How would you combine Total Recall and Blade Runner into one cinematic universe? Uh, I didn't catch the year that Recall took place. I might make my own timeline. Oh, trivia... With a budget of 50 to $65 million, Total Recall was one of the most expensive films ever made at that time. So not cheap. Right. It just looks kind of cheap because of the aesthetic. Total Recall from 1990 takes place in the year 2084. So they were smart. They launched it out there a little ways. So what mine was, and I had this wrote, wrote down but my laptop crashed, was that I was going to try to make it to where he when he goes to the machine, he is Deckard. And that, I think that's what I thought was it was ahead. So he was going back to learn how this rebellion on Mars started. Wait, how was he going back? 
What? Through the machine. This is... Is it a time travel machine now? No. Okay, so you do... Or he's putting the, he's okay. putting the memories from back then into his head? Yeah. Basically... Hold on. Basically what I was doing... Whoa, buddy. Somehow you took Blade Runner and ta- Total Recall and made it okay. more confusing. Well, the problem is, is I've made it an Assassin's Creed. This is not the, the machine, Animus. Yeah, that's I thought what the machine was. I was like, he is going into the Animus. The Animus, okay, that doesn't make sense to me, though. You can't, that's, a, you can't change, a memory is a memory. It doesn't, cha- if you change the memory, it doesn't change what actually happened. But no, that's why. Or does it? Is that what your movie's about? <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead. You just got me on a tangent. No, so basically he's, he's replaying, they found out how to get memories from, from other people, and he's replaying the memory of Deckard. The people on Mars that are rebelling are replicants. Like the mutants? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. because part of the reason that... Degraded replicants. Yeah. Well, and the one guy said he couldn't fix Rucker Howard replicant because it basically, like, they degrade, like, it affects their system like a virus. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it mutates them. The next movie would be extrapolating how the things on Mars are happening. Okay. Interesting. Well, I want to I hear yours now. Okay. Have anything to do with the Animus? No. You are now entering the Animus. Because I had... Okay, so there was two, uh, two ways I was thinking about taking this. So I'll just, I'll just follow one train of thought here. So, Blade Runner. Ridley Scott decided there's a couple changes he wanted to make. So he comes out with the final, final cut. It's exactly the same, except for two more seconds of unicorn footage and a post-credit scene has been added. The post credit scene is Deckard wakes up in the Total Recall Center, freaking out. He's like, what, what is this? What's going on? Where's Rachel? And they're like, calm down, calm down, Mr. Whatever. Maybe his name's still Deckard. What, what program was, did he have? He had the, I guess it wouldn't be futuristic to them. It'd be, he had the, the, noir, the noir detective android storyline. And uh, so, then, so then he breaks out and he's trying to figure out what's going on. He ends up on Mars. This is before, I'm guessing, okay, so I'm going to guess this is, you know, at this point, the rebellion's still happening. He comes across Quado because uh, he's trying to figure out, like, if what's in his brain. They messed up his stuff. We didn't, there's so much we could have talked about in Total Recall. Like, we didn't even touch on the weird Quado right. or B- Benny. Benny, screw you. Like, we didn't touch on none of that stuff, but whatever. So then Quado goes to read his brain, and it turns out Deckard was right. That stuff did happen to him, but... There's something else that Decker didn't know. He's an android. And as far as Quado can tell from his android memories, Rachel was real, but they don't know where, he's, where she's at. So then we take a movie to go through Decker waking up in Total Recall world and finding out he's an android. And that sets up the next movie of like trying to find Rachel. But we never do because whatever. She, she's dead inside. <laughs> she's dead inside. <laughs> she's dead inside. Wow. Um. But, you know, whatever, for added connection, though, uh, I can't remember the name of the company or the guy from Blade Runner, but... The Tyrell Corps. The Tyrell Corps Corporation, you know, they used, you know, Recall as like a sister company, a split-off company, because that's the same technology they used to implant the fake memories into the androids, is they figured out, hey, this works on people, too. We can sell them vacations. Mm -hmm. So could Quaid be an android in your story? See, that's the problem. That was the other way I was thinking. So, okay, there were too many ways to possibly go. And obviously, as you can tell from my rambles, not, they weren't all totally thought out. But <laughs> So one thing was Blade Runner sequel happens, 
and we join Rachel and Deckard on Mars. We'll go from there. Another one was, yeah, Quaid is an android. Yes. See, but this is cinematic universe, so that's its own separate story until the two meet in like the third or fourth movie, maybe. We got to listen. We're learning from Mar uh, from Warner Brothers DC's mistakes. We're taking the Marvel method. We're going to do separate movies before bringing it all together instead of going backwards. Our own version of the Avengers. Except it's <laughs> what a weird Qu Deckard and Quaid. And there's got to be other characters from this world. The guy from Blade Runner 2049. I haven't seen the sequel. That probably changes things. So Isn't that also Colin Farrell? No, no that's um, uh, the guy from Drive. Real human being. Oh, we're doing Drive sometime too. Drive and Transporter? Oh, God. Huh? Yeah, that's actually freaking perfect. I don't like Transporter. Maybe I'll maybe I'll feel different about it now, but I don't remember it being a very good movie. And those are so different movies, though. Or what's that other Jason Statham movie? Crank. Crank. Oh, Crank. No, yeah, maybe it's on with Crank. I like those movies. Those are st stupid, ridiculous, but they're fun and so high energy. That's actually a pretty good pair with Drive too, because Drive is like so low energy. My name is Jeff Jellios, and today is the day I die. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Help me out with with this this cinematic universe. What do you what do you think? What would be the best way to go about it? Does does I think we find out that he's an android? Which one? Quaid. How about the twist? Quaid is an android. Quaid is an android. Deckard is not. Deckard has to hunt down. Qu Deckard has to hunt down Quaid. Yeah, because Rachel's still there. So like they're letting him get away with keeping her. So he <laughs> quote unquote keeping her. But whatever, she's a robot. You know what I mean. If it, <laughs> I went somewhere, she they use her as leverage against him so that he has to keep working for them. Oh my god, I was dude, say, Arnold Deckard, Deckard hunts down Quaid. This is good. He <laughs> Deckard hunts down Quaid, they chase each other in the flying cars, and then Quaid, Quaid's he shoots it just enough that it goes down into a jungle. <laughs> <laughs> you see where I'm going? Into the past? <laughs> <laughs> Into the past. No, and then he crashes in the jungle, and then and then Deckard has to fight Predator for him. Oh, uh, we got to, the next episode, what we were talking about doing, we have to do it. Because I, I love the idea of just taking, we've got some great characters just throwing them. <laughs> Hunger Games, only it's Predator, Robocop, Judge Dredd, Deckard, multiple Arnolds. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Terminator. Because because when Quaid crashes, just the metal coming past him rips the sleeves off his shirt. <laughs> okay, so then he takes the mud and paints himself. Okay, before we went on that tangent, reeling it back into the cinematic universe at hand. <laughs> dude, if it was if it was a wait, so is Arnold is he the is is Quaid the Terminator? If he's an android, is he the Terminator? Oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> because that actually, like, that's not even cheating cinematic universe. That's combining that two things and making the Terminator. <laughs> that would explain. That would explain the ear thing. Because he's actually a, a cyborg. You're right. Also, again, God, this is something I wanted to touch on for Total or Recall. He, or is he liquid metal and he could do it? <laughs> that also explains how he could survive the end of Total Recall when him and that woman should definitely. I'm sorry, I forgot her name. But him and the woman, the love interest, should definitely be dead. Mm -hmm. They were out on the surface of Mars. Kicks on Dude, it seemed like minutes, and their necks were bulging out. They'd be dead, and if they're not dead, they'll be dead soon. That's some serious internal damage. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but that explains how he survives that. 
I love this idea. See, this is what this is what I'm talking about. When we spitball them, that's fine. Because I pitched like three different ideas, and from that, we ended up coming up with a totally a fourth totally separate idea. Buckle up, best. episode ten is going to be up. <laughs> so I must say, seeing how well Decker fared against Rucker Hauer Android. Dude, he doesn't have a chance. There's not going to be a movie there because he does not have a chance against Arnold Android. I mean, we've seen Arnold Android in the Terminator, and Decker got the crap kicked out of him by Rucker Howard at the end of Blade Runner. Right. Like, he's only alive because Rucker Howard, like, saved him. Like, he literally saved him from falling, so... Man, I'm already thinking about next episode. Okay. It seems like every episode we we approach the cinematic universe pitch is different. Sometimes they're written out. uh, Sometimes... We're obviously just pulling it out of our butts, and sometimes we are, but then come up with something good. So, as we've hinted at here, next episode, I'm actually super excited for it, too. I don't know if we'll have time to, like, arrange a guest, but it would be a good episode to bring somebody else on, to to, like, throw some ideas in. However, what should we call it? This will be the first, so it seems like every so many, maybe every ten, every so many, like, we're not going to take season breaks, but if we did, this would be the season finale for season one. Grolic's the extended cinematic universe. Oh, it'd be the extended cinematic universe episode. Oh, I love it. Uh, so we're basically going to look back at all the movies we've covered in the last nine episodes, except for episode three, but that was like a special one-off. That was an alternate universe. We should also open it up to the listeners to uh, yes. To oh, go, I'm gonna have to start to take I'll, all of their all of ours and make their own. I'll make a post on the website and I'll pimp that around with a list of. All the movies we've covered so far on episodes one through nine. So it'll be 16 movies, the 16 movies we've covered so far. And basically the episode is based, it's going to be a free for all. So we're going to be able to, we're, we'll get a chance to like take the movies that we wanted to pair up or we would have like would make a better cinematic universe or a more fun cinematic universe and pair those up. But also just have a total free for all episode like we were just almost about did just now. But yeah, I'll, I'll make a post so that uh listeners you can see all the movies you know so you don't have to search it yourself if you don't if you haven't listened to all the episodes send us your pitches for any of them all of them uh whatever you know combine any of them you want but i'll also include like some type of poll for i don't know either people's favorite or the best cinematic universe that we've done or i don't know some way for people to select their ideal cinematic universes out of it but yeah, we'll open it up to you guys. It'll be a whole episode of that, just a free-for-all of 18 movies, 16 movies. I think that's a great idea, especially since we just invented the Terminator out of <laughs> right the cinematic universe. Oh, man. I, I'm sitting here already going through. Now that I think about it, I don't think uh, Skynet or whatever it was, I don't think they based that on Arnold's, on Predator Arnold. I think that was based on Total Recall Arnold. Total Recall Blade Runner. I think I'm going to legitimately go home right now, and I'm going to pop the laptop open and start going. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. This is going to be great. Be a GCU number 10, the extended cinematic universe, season one or part one. I think that's it. I am made myself excited for Blade Runner Total Recall Terminator universe, and uh, I'm super excited for next episode. And then we'll also, we'll announce what movies we'll watch for episode 11 and then later too. Cool. I've been Randy, or I'm I am still Randy. Maybe I'll be Randy next time. I don't know. After this concludes, I will not be Randy. After this, when when you're not listening to this episode, I cease to be Randy. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can hear more Grolix Podcast and Grolix Cinematic Universe at GrolixPodcast.com. Follow Grolix Podcast at Grolix Podcast on Twitter. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast. Same thing on Instagram. 
Uh, you can follow me at Randall Sylvie. It's R-A-N-D-A-L-S-I-L-V-E-Y on Twitter. Uh, on Ooh, this is new. On Instagram, follow me at Podcast Producer. I'm Podcast Producer on Instagram. That's great. Also, podedit.com, randallsylvie.com to see my other stuff. It's not all just podcast stuff all the time. It pretty much is, but... Also, sometime soon, I'm not sure when the episodes will be dropping, I'm on a new podcast about Westworld. Speaking of androids... Androids. Speak. Oh, man. Westworld really, like, takes the idea that Blade Runner touches on and just runs wild with it. But... I am on a new podcast called Debugging Westworld with uh, Dustin Smothers. Dustin Smothers is he's a host of a ton of shows, the Pro Wrestling Mothership, uh, uh, the No Coast Nerd, Capital Wrestling Podcast, tons of stuff. Uh, you'll be able to find that on ProWrestlingMothership.com. It's a network. He does it. He, they have like a wrestling podcast network, but he's also branching out into other stuff. And it should also probably be on ElectronicMediaCollective.com soon. Uh, and whatever, that's the main stuff. What do you, what about you, Jasper? Oh, I'm still Jasper. <laughs> Will you continue to be Jasper? Yes, hopefully. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at Ninja Monkey Live, which is N I N J A M U N K 3 Y Live, or Instagram, but the same name. Nice. Mm-hmm. Word. Word to your mom. Come to drop bombs. Got more rhymes in. The Bible's got Psalms. Oh. That's what that lyric is. <laughs> this is right at the end of the podcast where we started playing in the arms. <laughs> So she finds the guy and what I totally lost track of what I was just saying. What did you, what did we just say? What did you just say last? Um, Oh, something. Okay. Let me back. So she finds the guy. I was talking about the toys and then the toys. alien race. Right. Oh, okay. God, how did, holy, sh- I did not get enough sleep. I've not been getting, I have not been getting very much sleep. Jumped off the rails. Oh, man. Uh, I think yesterday I got like four hours and woke up and like couldn't go back to bed. I don't get it. We're both a little off on our sleep. Yeet. <laughs> okay, so. Okay, I almost lost it again.